like, okay, now I'm actually going to have to post pictures of myself in underwear. <laughs> I said to tell my husband, are you okay with this? Because this is going to happen. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Good morning, Sandy. Welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? Morning. I'm not too bad, thank you. It's the best I've felt. I had COVID about a month ago, and um, although I still am feeling it, um, this is definitely the best day since I got it. So it's it's been lingering for a long time, which is blooming awful. But yeah, I'm not feeling too bad today, thank you. Oh, that's good. COVID is a nasty beast. I had it in, I think, end of May, beginning of June. And I was, mm-hmm. I was really COVID confident because I hadn't had mm-hmm. it throughout the past like two and a bit years. And because I worked oh. in healthcare, I was like, I'm, I'm immune. I said, like, I am. <laughs> I like, I'm the saviour. Like, I'm, I'm going to be the one that never gets it. And then it, it floored me. And it took yeah, me it about does. three, four weeks to like actually get back to working capacity. It was, yeah. it was weird. Like it affects everything so differently, doesn't it? Um, but mm. I'm really glad that you're here today and I'm really looking forward to this chat and I think it'll be a really wonderful conversation. Thank you for having me. I love to be here. Thank you. So the first question I ask absolutely every single guest is, how do you refer to your disability? And the reason that I ask this is because I believe, and I know that everybody else believes, but it's a real core belief of mine, is that every single disability is completely individual to the individual person. And like you could have the same diagnosis as such on paper but how you refer to your disability will be completely individual so how do you refer to yours um yeah so my I do actually because um I say I have a neurological condition Mm -hmm. but I have complications with my spine and my joints um and that tends to stop people I'd say that because people are really nosy, aren't they? Yeah. And they always go, oh, so why are you in a wheelchair? And I know that they think that that's okay to ask. And we know that it's not okay to ask, yeah. don't we, in a community. But people don't know that. And I try I try to be gentle with my education around why that's not okay. Yeah. Um, and explain to them that you know some people might have had a really traumatic accident and that 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 question is very triggering for them and I say you know it's not for me personally however for other people and you don't know that so I I try to um educate gently if the situation arises and I know some people don't and 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 it does depend on our moods doesn't it we have short tempers sometimes and if 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 10 people have asked that question then I may answer differently that day. Um, but so I tend to say I have a neurological condition. And, and then if they probe, I have to kind of assess how interested are you genuinely? Yeah. Is this that you're just wanting to be, you know, you're just interested in car crash information, as in I say that with inverted commas. You know what I mean? They just want to be, yeah. they want the gory details because they the just. entertainment value, isn't it? That's it. That's it. Or do you want to be educated? And I'll, and I'll kind of like use a phased answering system. <laughs> I'll drip feed a little bit. And I think if you're still interested in you're asking the right prompt questions, I'll give yeah. you real proper information. But I'll kind of like tease information into there. So 
if they say, oh, really? Okay. And what kind of, and where's that come from? And if I ask intellectual questions about my neurological condition, how does that affect you? That must be challenging living in this world. What would you like to see different? Then yes, I'll give information. If they go, oh, right. Okay. That's weird. And what does that, can you have sex then? (laughs) And then I just shut that conversation down. Everyone is obsessed with that question. (laughs) everyone (laughs) sometimes it does make me want to um and I have been known to give incorrect answers for shock value and just to shut people up (laughs) oh so have I I so so have I and on so many occasions especially when I was younger because obviously like when you're younger you're not that clever I you could be the brightest person in the world at the age of 14, but you're still not as clever as you're going to be at like 24. Like that's a fact. Yeah. And I remember yeah. some answers that I came out with when I was younger, because obviously I wasn't necessarily as educated in disability as I am now. And I look back and I'm like, that was savage. How, how could I have <laughs> said that to someone? <laughs> but you're so right. But, you do, you, you yeah. do. And it's, it's, and what you say about, drip feeding the information I love because you kind of have to assess the situation and whether or not the Mm -hmm. person is actually taking like a valid interest in you as a person or like Mm -hmm. I said is it that entertainment value do they want that gory shocking story do they want Mm -hmm. to hear that you had some kind of traumatic event which you know some people do have very traumatic events and that's how they end up being disabled or acquiring their disability but other people are just born with it and there is no story behind the reason you are the way you are yeah and I think with my condition so I have um FND functional neurological condition but I also have structural um organic problems wrong with my spine and my pelvis and my joints um arthritis and joint problems from a fall that stemmed from when I was 15 Um, that have caused mechanical problems through my spine uh, as I've aged. Um, But there's a lot of stigma around FND, Mm -hmm. um, which there shouldn't be, but there is. So I will um, box clever with that. And I've done a lot of research around FND. So I would say it's a neurological condition starting off and then I will talk about brain damage because our brains with when you have FND there is brain damage although you can't see it on certain scans you can see it on other scans but you can't see it on a standard MRI you can see it on a functional MRI um, the way that our the signals are rooted um, in our brains um is different it, it, it's wrong it's, it, it's incorrect um so there is brain damage the way that our signals work uh, and that's created throughout our our lives um and triggered at, at a certain time in our lives so the, yeah. the damage is created throughout our the periods of time and then the trigger happens at a specific time in your life uh-huh. um so i will talk about neurological uh d- d- condition i will then talk about brain damage and it's really really interesting because if i then start talking about and people will be very interested if i then start talking about the causes yeah um, my my own causes for example i like to i'm very very observant of how if any there is any shift in the way that people will then start receiving that information if there is any um 
I've lost the words for it. What is it when people start to believe you differently? I can't find the word. uh, Perspective or perception? Perception? Yeah, but a bias, but a bias with a bias to it. I can't find the word for it, but um, yeah. When they start to say they don't believe you as much as they did before Uh and they're not as receptive to it as they were before. So if you're talking about brain damage and you would say, oh, this is from a a car accident people would tend to be very very um, sympathetic and understanding and that that must be very difficult but if you're talking about brain damage that's been sustained over a period of time from i don't know abuse or um, maladaptive coping you know tendencies um or overstretching yourself you know people who train for the olympics for example Uh, can be very susceptible to functional neurological disorder because they do not listen to their bodies they push and push and push and you if you don't have that connection to um listening to the signals that your brain gives you to say that is not a good thing to carry on doing and you continue to ignore the signals from your body your brain will learn incorrect pathways that's the brain damage i'm talking about um so it's not always people think of brain trauma uh, always with something hor- horrendous in your yeah. life, but it doesn't yeah. always have to be brain trauma. It can come from what we can perceive as good things. You know, people who work, who are very, very work orientated that have huge high powered careers can come from that. And I know for me, I was very, very um, career orientated. I worked so hard. I loved my career. Yeah. So it doesn't always come from something that we perceive to be bad. Yeah. Um, and I will watch people's perceptions as I start to talk about that. And again, if they start to negatively shift the way they receive that information, I will shut that down. So I think you are not going to hear what I have to say. Yeah. And but if they don't. Not the right audience for it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a shame because I want people to listen and I want them to be educated. Most of the time that doesn't happen. Most of the time they will be really, and I do it that way. I want people to go, I had never thought of a brain injury to come from overworking or to come from overtraining or to come from just not listening to my body. But it's so true when you put it like that, that is something we all need to be really aware of. We need to listen to that mind body connection because it's dangerous if we don't and oh my goodness is it dangerous if we don't so um I try to educate gently (laughs) yeah and it's interesting that you brought up your career because that's what I wanted to next come on to is so obviously having um what is it nf nfd no fnd functional so close I was so close (laughs) (laughs) having that how has that impacted your career and the career choices that you were like taken um well I I lost my job because of it so um my 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 passion is in creative careers I have a um a degree um in illustration in art but I was kind of like fine art illustration and um sort of conceptual illustration yeah um think of Damien Hirst he tells a story through his installations um, a lot of my work would be storytelling through um, conceptual work and then I took that and into marketing and branding and mm-hmm. I absolutely loved anything to do with that kind of world yeah. it had my heart and soul I really really loved it um, 
and photography as well. I've worked as a photographer professionally as well. Um, but then my 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 life changed. I got sick um, the first time, um, and I I stopped working. And then through having to work, I ended up just going into office work. Yeah. And I was working in an office when I collapsed with the stroke what was what they assumed was a a stroke and it was actually a functional stroke so it looks like a stroke all the symptoms are the same but the cause is slightly different um and in the recovery from that that's when they said that they couldn't accommodate my new my new normal um and I lost my job um very very abruptly yeah. It was very hard to hear, actually, because they had they did have one interview with me, and then I just received a letter saying we can't we can't accommodate you. There was no discussion about what my needs might be. It was just we yeah. can't accommodate, and it was really hard to hear because I was very sick at the time. Yeah, but I wasn't given any opportunity to say, well, what might you need? Um, I, I was thinking about access to work, and you know there was things that yeah. could be done. I like to think that there there was a possibility and that shook my world really, because as I said, at the time I'd always worked really hard. I I had my first job at the age of 12. I lied to get my first job. So (laughs) I've worked really hard my whole life. Yeah. Um, So it was really difficult. And uh, I think it does hit you hard when you framed your, um, uh, your identity around work uh-huh, and yeah. that's taken away from you. There's this gap, isn't there? There's this vacuum of like, well, who am I now then? Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing for in me, for me, because it gave me an opportunity to think, well, should I fill that vacuum with work again? Or should I actually take this opportunity to look at who I who I am yeah. in the absence of work? And, and and really start to build myself as a human being mm-hmm. and then and then reflect who I am out onto the world and that's what I chose to do and then brought and the work then came to me and yeah. I think that's a much healthier way of doing it yeah and you're almost you're forging yourself in the flames really aren't you because absolutely yeah that, that moment where you know and the employers <coughs> can be very ableist mm-hmm. when you're not even able to discuss what needs you might have or what could be done to help you and it, and it's just it's just shut down straight away but then yeah. like as you said you're, you're taking that perspective of who are you outside of work but actually it's it's the perfect time to like I don't want to say reinvent yourself because I feel like that's very like far-fetched but you are giving yourself that time to think about who are you outside of work and like what mm-hmm. what what do you offer the world and like mm-hmm. as you said the work then came to you which I think is a really beautiful way of looking at it because you haven't gone out there and chased it it's almost chased you yeah. and I think that's that's like a lovely moment of like it's a cycle really you know you've you've kind yeah. of had that moment that wasn't so great but actually the flip side of it is is that everything then started to come to you after I'm sure a lot of hard work <laughs> Yeah. And do you know what? I think facing the reality that I, when, when the work option was taken away from me, I really did think that there was nothing to me. You know, uh-huh. there wasn't any substance to me in lots of ways. I mean, there was more to it than that. But for, 
for the purpose of this conversation, it, it, it really took that looking in the mirror and thinking, do you really think that all, all of your worth comes from what you doing think? the work? So yeah. therefore, isn't it about time you took this opportunity to dig deeper than this shallow level that you've only been existing on and pull out these, these elements of yourself that actually really are who you are, examine them and say, is this who I am? Is yeah. this who I want to be? And, and, and um, sift through and think, actually, I don't like that part of myself. I'd like to, you know, deal with that and get rid of it. And other this part I do like, and I'd like to hone that skill more and, and embrace it and grow that area of myself and become a better version of myself through this exploration. Yeah, and it's kind of like um, I see. I'm seeing a mental image of a cave, which used to be filled with water, and the water was work, and that water has been is empty, and now I've got this chance to dig into the walls of the cave and unearth these gemstones. Yeah, and the actually the walls are filled with all these incredible gemstones that I didn't even see because it was filled with water. Yeah, and instead of this just water that was was just flat water, I've got I've filled this huge wonderful cavern with all these incredible gemstones, which mean so much more and are so much more precious than it was before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it was a really great opportunity that I would never have been able to do before, um, and. And I'm, I am thankful for that opportunity, actually. Yeah. And I think that's, that's such a beautiful way to describe it. And like, definitely going to take that away with me for sure. <laughs> so interestingly, how did you get into social media and, and disability modeling? Because I love that. I love that we now have models who represent the larger parts of our community. Because when I was growing up, we, that was not there. Like these talent agencies, these modeling agencies, they did not exist. But how did you get involved in that? Well, it's a strange, um, it's all to do with this finding myself um, thing, really. I, when I decided that I did matter and I was going to start living again, uh -huh. <laughs> um, I kind of crawled back up off the floor, as it were, and Thought, right, okay, as we do, we, we look outside of ourselves for inspiration. We want to find like people like us. Uh -huh. And I tried to reach out on social media to find other people. I did find the chronic illness community and grasped hold of that. And I started to, and I thought, okay, I felt very, very alone when I got sick. And I, I didn't want anyone else to feel like that, but I also wanted to journal how I was feeling. So that's how I started my account yeah. for that, those two reasons to kind of journal what I was going through. And also so that someone else who might search could find some other, another person yeah. and, and not feel alone. And then as I started to regain my confidence, I wanted to write this piece about the journey which we use that word a lot, but I can't find another one that's better. <laughs> the, the transition from this emptiness to rising to what I yeah. felt like somebody, somebody who could, I called it the goddess from the goddess in the shell, this empty shell 
this goddess that could fly through the sky with flames at her heels this yeah. this thing that happened to me this transition and I started documenting it and I took some photographs of myself that at the time it's quite funny if you look at my social media now you think well that that's quite funny because I took photos in black and white of myself that were of the bits of me that I didn't like at the time so the uh -huh. the texture on my skin the rolls at my tummy and um my face that was unfiltered and they were just black and white photographs and I felt so brave to do that yeah and I this is me I love my I have I actually I didn't love myself I just made a decision to love myself uh -huh. it was just the moment I chose to face the the pathway of going to love myself and I documented it with this this piece of writing and I posted it and I was absolutely terrified I felt physically sick when I made that first post and I actually messaged my friend and I said I, I I'm so scared I don't know if I can do it and she said you can do it you can do that think of everything you've said to me and I saw a hit post and I said I've done it I've done it I've hit post oh no what have I done and but the response was so incredible that um it fired me up that people responded that they they it resonated with them yeah it wasn't I didn't just hear oh you look amazing because it wasn't that it was like I see myself in this I need to hear this this has helped me and yeah it, it for me it set me on the path and from there then I saw the casting call for um, a brand I work with a lot and have become like my work family, Paul yeah. that um, I do a lot with them. And they really are an incredible brand, um, always looking to grow, always looking to learn, which I think is really important in today's world. Yeah. Super. And um, yes, and um, I put a, I. I I kind of put myself forward to become one of their brand ambassadors working with them doing lingerie. Um, yeah. Mod yeah. modeling and I thought oh I'll never I'll never hear because thousands of people apply you know I'll never hear anything and then I got the yes we'd love to have you and I, I could not believe it could not yeah. believe it and that was the start of it really and and now and then I thought okay now I'm actually gonna have to post pictures of myself in underwear <laughs> I said to tell my husband um, are you okay with this because this is going to happen just want you to know that you know Maybe Just we should heads not, tell up. Your, not tell your mum. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I so that's what started it. Yeah. I, I love that so much because it's almost like, and a lot of people that I've spoken to also kind of say something pretty similar. And it's almost like you, you kind of like fall into this line of work when it comes to like disability activism type yeah work you, you you never really set out to be that person no but you're no. kind of just speaking like your day-to-day -day truth and then people yeah. are receptive to what you have to say and and that's how it kind of that's how it kind of happens and I always think yeah. that that's the best best way for things to happen is that you like you accidentally fall into it and it's like oh like I was just chatting about my day and and now all of these wonderful things have come out of it and that, that's the best way forward yeah and I did a bit a tiny bit of modeling when I was younger I think the first stuff I did was when I was about 17 18 and then I didn't do anything again until I was in my 30s and I worked with some charities then um but I think what I love about doing it now is that there's this intersection and I do recognize that 
I am in a very privileged position. Although I'm in a wheelchair, my disability is visible. I'm a white, you know, mid mid middle class kind of woman, I guess. I'm perceived as that anyway. Um, so I do recognise I'm very palatable as a yeah. disabled person, and I recognise that privilege. However, from my my perception, it it's I don't see many midlife disabled women portrayed mm. in the media and it's very hard to get to my age my age take away disability my age is a really hard age to reach mm. I'm 51 and it's it's a hard age for any woman you know things change in your body we have menopause we have the way our bodies look that changes our children are leaving home there's a lot that changes in our lives that is very hard for us to deal with and and around careers as well you know people feel like we don't we can't offer the same in our jobs and a lot of that is to do with careers because our brains don't I mean I have FND as well so my neurological capability is really impacted by my condition but also menopause has a lot to do with that so it does impact on how well or how how we can work we have to work differently differently strategically um so there's a lot happening so i i would be struggling anyway to with my identity in the way that i want to be perceived as a as a i'm going to just say it as a sexual being you know yeah I want to say woman, but sometimes, I mean, I identify as queer. So sometimes it's not just as a woman. So I do, you know, there is a, there is a fluidity around my identity. So uh -huh. sometimes I'm hugely feminine and sometimes I'm more masculine. So there is a fluidity around that. But, you know, as a sexual being, it's a, it's a really important part of me to be able to express myself strongly Yes. And as a stylish person, fashion is hugely important to me and has always been. And when you combine that with the intersection of, of disability, there is not much representation. If you look online, there will be quite a lot of disability representation, visible, non-visible. A lot of that will be young. If you yeah. look for midlife, there's a lot of midlife women if you look at mid-size, because I'm 12 to 14, there's a lot of mid-size. There is not a lot of all of those things coming together. Yeah. And I, yeah. I struggle. I struggle because I'll see somebody who's mid-size showing me some beautiful outfits. And I'm like, that doesn't look the same when I'm sat down. Yeah. And I'll, I'll look at some outfits that are on beautiful people that are in wheelchairs and they'll all be really young. And, and I'll be like, that's great, but it doesn't look so good on me. Or, or, yeah. And I struggle, I struggle with that. And I can't be the only one that I can't be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Completely. So I still, and I, so I'm going back to the fact that I do recognize that I am in a privileged, privileged position, but I still feel underrepresented. Yeah. I still and, feel it. Yeah. And I think that that is key is that you know, it's always about recognizing your privilege, isn't it? Like I'm very aware that yeah. I am a white, blonde haired, blue eyed, size six woman. I uh, like I'm incredibly palatable as a disabled woman. Like, yeah, I, I like I'm almost almost not quite, but I'm almost acceptable. <laughs> like, so I, I completely I completely understand that. And 
And it's interesting because I was talking to Victoria Jenkins, who I know that you know. Yeah. And it was all about how she wanted to create fashion for um, bodies that do sit in chairs because the pants, that they, they're cut differently. And, it's, and yeah. it's things that we don't necessarily always think about. It's not like the immediate first thought. And I think it's so wonderful that you are that person. You're, you're showing that and you're turning up and you're representing for those people because you're right. Like there isn't much representation for all of like everything that crosses for you. Whereas for me, like there's a bit that I can see myself every now and then, not as much as I'd like to, but like I can find it and I can see it if I want to, but Mm -hmm. for you, it's very different in that. Yeah. I have to pick bits out and then, so I might pick something from wheelchair fashion. I might pick something from midlife and I have, I'm constantly having to adapt it. Um, yeah. And there's not there's not very much exact in my niche, and I recognise it is niche. <laughs> there's not much, and there needs to be more because there are an awful lot of midlife disabled women. Yeah. There's a, there's loads of us, and we just struggle. We're struggling, and and but I'm telling you, you know, we want to be stylish. We want to feel sexy. We want to feel relevant. Yeah. We're still here. Yeah. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. And we want to go out to events when we've got the freaking energy, you know. Yeah. We want to go to um, out for di- dinner dates. We want to look, even if we're slumming about in the house, we want to still look a bit nice. We don't yeah. want to have to just wear what we have to wear. And it's, it's I'm trying, I'm trying. But it is a weird thing because there's that imposter syndrome constantly going on in my head. Mm. I'm constantly doubting myself. Who am I to say that? What authority do I have to say that? Who wants to listen to me anyway, Sandy? You know, what do you think you're doing? And it's really, (laughs) it's really hard. Sometimes it does, you know, you'll catch yourself doing, you're in front of your ring light, posing away. And then this little voice will go on your shoulder going, who do you even think you are, madam, smiling at the camera like that? And it puts you right off your stride. (laughs) Other times you're thinking, yes, girl, you've got it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's such like, it's such a key thing is that when that like voice of imposter syndrome comes about, you've almost just got to be like, I'm the best person for this. If not me who that's what I like that's what I always think and that's like the exact same for me when I was starting this podcast I had a whole moment where I was like am I qualified enough to be talking about these topics and then I was like Brooke disability has been your entire life like who else is more qualified like surely Mm -hmm. other disabled people are but this is my idea so I'm like the most qualified to to create it and spawn it and whatever and that's the thing we've always got to remember like you're always the best person for your own ideas. And like, you're always the best person to carry out the things that you want to do because you wouldn't have had that thought, idea, dream, plan, whatever, if you weren't able to put it into action. And there is space, isn't there, for more than one? This is what I keep telling myself. We are the only people who have lived our experience. Yeah. And we have a, a unique perspective on our version of the world, our view of the world that we can offer and that somebody else might not, you know. So we have something to offer the world. We have our own perspective to offer the world that somebody else might get something from because I'm all about uh, everything I do 
is with the purpose of it might help somebody. It has to be with how can this help someone? How can this raise someone's energy that day? How can it enrich someone's life? How can I, how is this helping? If I'm just doing something because it's about making me feel better, then it doesn't feel authentic. And I might, I might film it or I might record it or I might shoot it and I won't, I won't post it because it just feels like it's indulgent to me. It's almost like the energy is off, right? Because you're like, there's something, I don't know what it is, but I don't love it. Yeah, yeah. Just feels icky. And I know know that some people do that and that's fine. That's, That's fine for them. But for me, if it doesn't somehow work to help somebody else in some way, or I don't believe it to be, it just doesn't feel right. And there's probably stuff that I have done that I don't like, and that will be the reason why. But it tends to be now I've got stuff in my drafts, you know, sitting to wait to post. And I've gone to and I've gone, mm, no. And that's probably the reason why I haven't done it, because it's just, it just doesn't feel quite, it feels too self-indulgent. And it's probably just focusing on me and not going to be about anyone else. And that's why I haven't posted it yet. And it probably won't ever get posted. <laughs> But I like that you're that we're having this conversation because I always think through hard times, people find like, you know, kind of once you've come out of like hard times or difficult times, you, you tend to find that there's a positive attribute attribute about yourself that you didn't necessarily know you had. Mm. I always say that my disability, well, I don't know if my disability has made me tenacious or I'm naturally a very tenacious person. But the two kind of go hand in hand for me. And I was wondering, upon reflection, have you found a positive attribute about yourself that has come through hard times? A hundred percent. I would go so far as to say I'm grateful for my disability. Yeah. Um, I think it has made me a better person. It has made me more empathetic, kinder. It has forced me to grow and reflect on those areas of myself that I didn't like as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that it has definitely made me stronger. Yeah. But I think the best thing about my disability is it has forced me to look at who I am. Yeah. And there's things in things I've said, things I've done in my past that I really wish I hadn't, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And that it, if we can't, this is the, one of the hardest things I've learned. We cannot go back and change it. We can only start from here. And I am grateful for my disability for forcing me to look at myself. You know, those that vacuum, that empty cave yeah. moment was an opportunity for me to say, actually, now that with this perspective, with these glasses on that I'm looking at through my own experience looking back over the, my life the things I've said there I wouldn't do now and I will not do again in the future and have I had I not had these glasses on this vision of disability I may have done that again yeah. through ignorance I'm not saying you know I, I didn't know I was doing doing those things badly yeah. but um through ignorance and now I've had my eyes opened and I'm more aware I'm I'm glad that I can do that and I much prefer the person I am now. And yeah. it's, it's made me hungry 
for more growth and more self-exploration. It's no secret. I have been in um, taking regular therapy for two and a half years. Yeah. It's not because I consider myself broken and I like, oh, I'm desperately needing therapy. There's plenty of times where I go in and I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I feel like yeah. uh, we have this saying myself and my therapist that I'm like an onion and we just peel off layers and then we'll cruise for a, a few weeks and then we'll, she'll just, pull a thread and then we go Woof, okay we're going to go deeper here yeah and I, I love that to me it's like a it's like a workout for my emotional self yeah. I'm just getting stronger and stronger and stronger so I, I wouldn't have had that if I didn't have my disability yeah I think so, it's, I personally think therapy is the best thing since sliced bread like yeah if I had all the money in the world I'd make sure that all my friends and family got therapy because I'm pretty sure everyone benefits from it like you yeah. need therapy you can get therapy therapy for free for you like I, I would genuinely <laughs> do it for everyone yeah. because I think you are like you're right you you like you shed you shed layers of yourself that you didn't even know was, was there and and you yeah. confront beliefs that sometimes yeah. aren't even necessarily yours there's something that you've picked up along the way and actually upon reflection it, it actually has absolutely sweet FA to do with you and like I yeah. think like I said, I'm, I love therapy. I'm all for therapy. I think everybody should have it. Like, I think it should be prescribed for everyone. I think you should have it from school. Yeah. Go to school, start your weekly therapy. But honestly, I do. I'm, I'm yeah. so, I'm, I'm so on that train. I'm like, yes, everybody needs to get therapy. Like make therapy cool. Therapy normalize, cool. normalize talking about your beliefs and the way that you, the, the way that you think and feel normalize talking about that on a regular basis, normalize yeah. analyzing it, normalize self-reflection normalize it from from kindergarten up just normalize yeah. it and then the world would be a much better place <laughs> and also it's quite nice to have someone who's completely like they have absolutely no interest in what you're about to tell them obviously they do have an interest but it's like they're not vested in it so like if I said some of the things that I've yeah. said in therapy to like my mom dad friends they'd be like oh my goodness like <laughs> why are you around like <laughs> help and I'm like yes that's why I have therapy <laughs> but it's, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a safe space for everyone and I'm like I'm so pro therapy like make it cool I think it's great thank like, yeah. you for it <laughs> interestingly I always ask do you have a piece of advice for either or and most people tend to answer both for a younger version of yourself or alternatively a younger person with the same disability as you um i'm not sure whether that would be the same um so the younger version of myself is is a is a big one um because my poor younger self <laughs> oh bless her heart she needs to know that it's going to be okay mm -hmm. and she would need to know don't stay <laughs> don't stay don't stay darling you can leave and it will be okay be brave that's what I would say to her you don't have to my younger self was very scared to um leave situations and um stayed in places where she should not have done mm -hmm. so i think if i was give i would give my younger self advice it would be you'll be okay on your own yeah life would be life, life will be okay if you leave that situation um so if i was to give advice to someone younger with my with my condition 
Ja. That's would be well actually anybody with my condition who's just got it, it doesn't even have to be younger. Um believe yourself, especially with this condition. So much uh I've lost the word when people the biases around this condition um is that it's not real, mm-hmm. it's made up, and then that is you take that on board into your own head and you start to doubt everything that you are creating a different version of reality that is completely not real in your own head and is so damaging. It, yeah. it, it just adds to the condition actually. So to just believe the symptoms are real, it doesn't matter about the cause. It doesn't matter that it doesn't, the, the tests that they run don't show the cause for your symptoms because they are the wrong tests for for example epilepsy would have looked like a not real condition 150 years ago yeah you know before they had x-rays a broken bone would have looked like a not real condition Mm -hmm. um before they had you know whatever tests blood tests these conditions would not have shown up and they would have just said oh no that's fine you don't have a break in your skin, therefore you are fine. Yeah, we can't see it, therefore you're fine. So it's just that the tests that they're running aren't re- aren't the right tests. Believe your body, believe the symptoms that you are feeling. If you feel them, they are real, and just hold on to that because not everything that the doctors say, unfortunately, because they're not educated, are, are true. And yeah. even if they tell you that that is not real that's that symptom is not real you don't have to believe them yeah and i'm i'm laughing a little bit there because i i actually said these exact words yesterday is that quite uh. often disabled people are the ones who are educating the doctors about their condition and it's not the other mm-hmm. way around because you are yeah. giving them the information about your condition your treatment about how you're thinking feeling how it affects you when you know doctors don't necessarily and no shade to any doctor out there, but they don't always know what they're on about, quite frankly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and that's, I think that's a really important piece of advice. Yeah, actually, es- sometimes, especially with the more rarer conditions. Yeah, for sure. Or unknown conditions, um, and it's so damaging. I had a doctor say to me that um, my seizures weren't real, so just stop having them. <laughs> yeah. When he said about, um, I asked him what I should do about my seizures. He said, well, we know they're not real. And I said, uh, he said, so just stop having them. (laughs) That's his exact words. It's a neurologist. Um, So literally, so just stop having them. And I can remember just feeling like I'd been smacked in the face. And I think I cried for nearly four hours after he said that because I just internalized that as failure on my part you know um this is quite early on in my diagnosis and now obviously I have a completely different perspective on that I've had apologies from specialists in FND and told that he was wrong uh, that you know I've had all of that now but the damage that that caused yeah psychological damage emotional damage um and also physical harm because of my, the pain that that caused me. Yeah. The way that I then pushed my body 
it was just horrendous. I don't even want to get into it. It was just horrendous. So this is a qualified medical professional who unfortunately had no training in my condition and said that awful thing. And this is the reality. People will say things, but it's really important that you believe yourself. You are the expert in your body. And that's, that's a very easy thing to say. Yeah. And it's not an yeah. easy thing to do. And that's why it's really important to reach out to people. Second part of advice to your question. Here we go. <laughs> Two bits. Reach out to people who also have the same condition as you. Yeah. They will yeah. be able to help you and give you advice and support. Really important. It's interesting because this, God, this transition is seamless if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, when I was younger, not so much now, every now and then, but when I was younger, a lot of people always used to ask me either what happened or did a shark bite your arm off? Now, I've come to realize that they're really A, annoying questions and B, really intrusive questions like we were talking about at the beginning. And I was wondering if you had a particular like question or set of questions that you just find far too much from other people. <laughs> well, apart, just generally, the... Um, why why are you in a wheelchair yeah question um and where that leads to um to be honest i haven't been in a wheelchair permanently for that long as in full time i was in a wheelchair when i was 15 for about a year that was my first experience yeah um but my perception then was very different. I hated it. So I was full of ableism at that point. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that's got something to do with it. My tolerance level has not maxed out yet. So I, I tend to try to be polite and, and understanding with why they're asking those questions. And I also wonder, you know, did I, I can't honestly say I didn't ask those questions myself. Yeah. between the ages of 15 and 40 whatever I was when I got sick so I understand that people will ask questions I I it does annoy me it does annoy me if people ask me about sex then I get really annoyed people are because obsessed. they are really obsessed and it's so private yeah so so private and I cannot fathom why they think it is okay the 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 thing that really really bugs me and i don't have much tolerance for is when people ask the person i'm with questions about me yeah rather than me specifically and that i get um i will be very abrupt with mm -hmm. and that has happened to me and i have no tolerance for it i will butt straight in and say excuse me do you not think and i will call them out i will call out how rude that is how inappropriate that is and why that they you know why they shouldn't be doing it and i will completely pull them up on it and i won't be polite about it because i don't think that there's I don't think that's ignorance, as in, um, I do think that's ignorance, but I don't think it's um, general, kind of like polite ignorance. I think it's a real blanket, don't care about disabled people, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hate it. I hate it. 
there is a big difference between ignorance for the sake of genuinely not knowing and ignorance just for the sake of being lazy and um, yeah. not really caring. They're, like that is a big difference. Uh, yeah. I think the fact that when I think when I think what gets me the most about when people ask somebody a question about me that isn't me there's an underlying by um oh i can't find my words this morning brooke i'm really sorry not bias what is it when it's a real something against a particular group of people when you have a yeah but something else discrimination there's a real discrimination, underlying discrimination against disabled people when you choose to ignore that disabled person and speak to someone else. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, I think it's really, really much bigger than someone just asking, oh, why are you in a wheelchair? I think that's just lack of education. Yeah. I, I don't necessarily, I think it's, it's, it's a bigger sin, <laughs> if you want to call it that. Um, <laughs> when someone does I think that really shows that they don't think you are worth you are of equal standing as a human being than the person who stood right next to you yeah underneath it that's the reason why they're not speaking to you yeah and like that's true like there's there's, I I feel that there's it's an interesting one because you're not the first person to have said that and it's it's interesting because I think people don't always understand that like physical disability, hidden, visible, whatever, intellectual disability, they're not all the same. Disability as a term is actually, it's, it's an umbrella term for a lot of different things. Yeah. And a lot of people don't seem to understand that actually within that umbrella term, there are so many subsections, there are so many different branches that actually you can't just on the face of it think that, because someone is in a wheelchair that means that they're not going to be able to like fend for themselves talk about themselves like have their own thoughts feelings opinions because that sometimes is what it boils down to and and you know it's like it's a barrier of course it's a barrier but it's how you approach the barrier that makes it makes a difference yeah and it's about putting somebody else's um considerations emotions needs above your own yeah so if if asking that person who's has additional needs is hard for you because you might have to speak differently or you might have to wait longer to have your have your answer it's harder for you and you're uncomfortable with that that's that's on you and people choose to put themselves above the other person that was what it boils down to i don't i I, it makes people uncomfortable and that to me is the reason we need more education and exposure in the media so that it's normal yeah (laughs) normalize it so it doesn't make people uncomfortable don't don't shove it away don't hide it away because the more we do that the more uncomfortable people will be exactly yeah and again like oh my god transitions today are actually seamless they're so good <laughs> we worked this out in advance didn't we really <laughs> honestly like if i'd even if, even if i'd been like this is the lowdown this is where we're going with this like we would not have got it as good as this <laughs> my final question is sandy can you say that you're disabled and proud <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, 100%. Every day. Yeah. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. I own that word. I believe that being disabled is something unique. We bring a spectrum of colour to this world. Yeah. Disability stops humanity from stagnating. I've spoken about this slightly before on um on another podcast. However, I want to say it because I don't think it's talked about enough. Adversity drives innovation. Mm-hmm. If we don't have struggles, we don't have something to fight against, we don't have something to invent a new way around, look at ways of overcoming, look at yeah. look at ways of growing. Like I said about my empty cavern, you know, ways of overcoming growing as a human race. If we all just become bland beige humanity and genetically blend out any kind of difference yeah in in the race of 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 humans what what is there to strive for what would what would we do yeah how would we grow i'm not talking about the race to the moon or the next star or the next galaxy i'm talking about as human beings what would there be to we would just become nothing we would not do anything how would we grow what would we would just be this boring bland nothing and yet we as disabled humans bring challenges you know we've just had an entire conversation about the richness of our lives bring two people in to a podcast who've never had challenges, who've never had adversity, who've never struggled with anything. What on earth are they going to talk about? <laughs> what are they going to talk about? Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. They might, have, they might have other struggles. They might have other adversities in other areas of their life. Yeah. However, if you bring out physical, mental, emotional challenges, that's an entire section of being human yeah isn't it it is it's like we we are made up of physical emotional and mental part that's part of being human if you stop a range of diversity within that it's just it's just there's nothing there is an emptiness being disabled brings so much richness to our lived experience when when you start to talk about it, I'm interested. I'm interested yeah. in disabled people's lived experience. I, I find it fascinating. I want more of it. I want more of that in my life. I want a, more disabled friends. I want yeah. more t- in my in my life. And I'm so proud to be in this community. I am a proud disabled human being. Bring it on. Bring more of it to me. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. I have really, really enjoyed this conversation and it's been full of some absolute gems. Like there are going to be things that I take away from this conversation that I'm going to carry with me for a really long time, I think, because it's just been genuinely wonderful and I've really loved having you on. And thank you so much for giving up your time to come on the podcast. Oh, thank you. I've had 
all actually really had a great time talking about things that um haven't had a chance to talk about so i have really really enjoyed myself but thank you so much for giving me this opportunity thank you so much for being on and i'll speak to you soon thanks for listening to this episode of disabled and proud if you've enjoyed the show then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts it really helps us to reach more and more people each week plus if you've got a particular highlight then i'd absolutely love to hear it tag me on your insta stories at disabled and proud podcast